the book of Matthew chapter 11 and the last verses of chapter 11. We've been working our way through the Gospels in the light of what has been said in Matthew chapter 28 when the Lord gave final instructions to his church before he went into heaven and he told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel. He told them that they needed to be baptized, baptize those that had confessed the Lord who had repented of their sins and trusted in him. And then he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so what we've been trying to do is go through the Gospels and see the specific commands that the Lord gave uh, during his three and a half years of ministering in, uh, in, on the earth before he ascended into heaven. And um, when we see these, this idea of command, it's, uh, it's an imperative mood in the original language, but an imperative means it's imperative that you do it. Oftentimes when we're commanded to do something, we ask ourselves, should I do it or do I feel like doing it? But the king doesn't ask us how we feel about it. He just tells us to do it. And one of the things we've pointed out over and over also is that these commands are not commands towards our own ability, uh, but we are unable to do those, these commands without the inter intercession of the Lord and the help of the Lord. We're commanded to love our enemies. That's nearly impossible. We're commanded to be perfect. And we can't do that, but God can. And also, we've pointed out to you that these commands aren't commands to our ability, as I've said here, but they're commands to our heart. And when we come to Matthew chapter 11, we've come to one of the great passages of the Bible that many people know and can quote. And it says there in verse 28 of Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Much turmoil and conflict in people's lives. And uh, he said, if you come to me, you can have rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Really, in this uh, passage, we have three commands. Come unto me, uh, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. And then they go with two promises that are similar. In 28, I will give you rest. And then in 29, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Now, what I want you to understand, first of all, is that, that what he says here is a command. These are three commands. 
And it's not an invitation. Oftentimes we look at coming to me as an invitation. You can either do it or you don't have to do it. It's, uh, it's something that you can think about. Uh, but it's not an invitation. Uh, when we get an invitation to a special event, whether it's a graduation or a birthday party or something else, we can choose to either go or stay home. But here, the King of Kings is giving a command, come unto me. And uh, it's a, actually, when we talk about uh, salvation and oftentimes at the end of a service, uh, th- there'll be something, there'll be a song and you'll be invited to come and profess Christ or if you have other further questions to come and we'll get along with you and answer your questions and uh, that those times are are identified as an invitation but God actually though he's long-suffering and he goes on for a long time what God actually gives to us is ultimatums You'll either believe or not believe. You'll either be saved or you'll die in your sins. And so he uh, is giving this invitation, not but a, a command. Now, there's a lot here, and I actually think that there's two different things going on here. When he says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It's a, it's a call to salvation. It's a call to come and have your life and your sins forgiven. To be made new. And then I think that the second part of this, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Because it has that word learn and it tells us to take a yoke, which is, a, is a, something that we put on a draft animal to work. That's a call to discipleship, to learn of him, to enter into working with him. And so I'm going to actually break this down into two sections. And today we'll just look at the verse 28 and then talk more about verse 29 and how we take the yoke upon us. Um, so first of all, we ask the question, who is actually talking here? Who is actually speaking here? Well, if you go back to verse 25, you'll see, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven. And we find that Jesus is talking. And so this command this, imita- this I keep saying invitation, this command is from none other than the Lord himself. It's a, a promise of having rest. It's a, it's a promise that's dependent upon God, that Jesus has given this, that with that comes some uh, great uh, assurances if, if the command is if the, if the command is from Jesus, God in the flesh, then what we can say about it it is that 
that he, he, Jesus, he's able. That he's going to give you rest. That when you cast your life upon him, there'll be rest to the soul. That he is also, not only is he able, but he's also faithful. He's not going to promise something that he's not going to be faithful to do. God cannot lie. He, he won't deceive us. He won't break his promise. What he says he will do and what he undertakes he's going to perform. And heaven and earth may pass away, uh, but his word will not pass away. It's true. And then not only is he able and faithful, but he's willing. He's willing to give you rest. He's willing. He's long proved his faithfulness and his willingness. Come unto me, not just to select few, not just to those who not been in trouble with the law, uh, they are eliminated. Not those who have been divorced, uh, they're eliminated. Those who have been robbers, they're eliminated. No, he's willing. He's willing. And you see the little word there, very important word, a very small word, but the word there, come unto me, the word is all. This week, um, this this last week, and a bit of the week before, um, there was a man in FCC, Quebec Correctional Center, who was on trial for murder and uh, taking a hatchet and killing a man in the Manchu bar. And a horrible, horrible uh, events. But Brett Gilbert sat in our services on Thursday night in Fairbanks Gressel Center at peace because he had come unto the Lord and the Lord gave him peace. He saved his soul. And so it's for all. And this being, being all you that labor and are heavy laden we, we must not think that, well, this must be talking about all the poor people in the world. Uh, that would be a great mistake. It's possible to be poor in this world and poor in eternity. It's possible to be rich in this world and be poor in eternity. No, it's talking more about people that are laden burdened down by their sin. David said in Psalms 38, he said, for all my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden 
They're too heavy for me. And so it's almost like a giant wave coming over your head and wanting to smash you down. David was saying that his iniquities have piled up over his head and it's burdening him down. And, and those are the kind of people that this is addressed to. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Again, it says all. Though you may have been and are a Christian hater and a persecutor like Saul in the Bible who went around Palestine persecuting Christians and hauling them to jail, yet Saul became Paul the Apostle. Though you may be someone who's a, a extorter, a cheat, someone who takes money from others illegally, like a guy by the name of Zacchaeus, who not only was a tax collector that, that took more than what it was required, but he was the head of all the tax collectors. And remember that he thought he and climbed up in the sycamore tree because he was small of stature because he sought Jesus. But what he didn't know is that Jesus was seeking him because remember, he didn't turn around and say, who is that guy up in the tree? He says, Zacchaeus, you come down. He knew all about him, bidding him to come to him heavy laden. It describes those who are like Mary Magdalene who was a harlot yet she was saved and she was sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And so by the use of that little word all We have the universe involved. It's not, it's not universal salvation, but it is universal opportunity. And so everyone has the possibility of overcoming a burdened life. Peter, he had to learn the hard way. Peter, Peter stood off from the Gentiles. After all, I'm a, a Jew. I'm one of the uh, people of whom God has chosen to manifest himself to the world and through, to manifest, through them to manifest himself to the world. And he wasn't going to hang around Gentiles. And God dealt with him very specifically. And Peter said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And so don't think at one moment that 
that if you've never been in a correctional center and you've never murdered someone, that God respects you any more than he respects Brett Gilbert. We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. Yet we're all bidden to come and have our burdens lifted. And I think, Sue, you can see here when he says come, it has the idea of a choice. He's not going to compel you. It's not as the Calvinists teach that you're going to be regenerated and then you can believe. No, he's speaking to these people and he's speaking to us, to everyone that hears, come. You don't have to be regenerated and then you can believe, but he says, come. It's, it's, an, it's an invitation. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but in that, in that come, in that come, you see, you actually see repentance. Because if I'm traveling along this way and I hear the call to come and God deals with my heart to come, there's going to have to be a turning and going the other way. That's repentance. I realize that I am weak and heavy laden and that I need, I need it to turn. And so I think it's important also to see what he did not say. Look at it and let it sink into your heart. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, go and work. Go and make yourself a better person and work at it. And then we'll talk about this further. He didn't say that. He didn't say go and work. And in fact, he's talking to a people who are heavy laden. You know, he's talking to a people that can't take any more. I mean, to tell them to, you know, you need to do better. You need to work harder. And they're already exhausted. He didn't say go work. He said, come. What a wonderful word, come. For all of us, if we would go and work and work and work and work, all of our righteousness, as God sees them, are as filthy rags. Not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy, and his mercy calls us to come. What a savior. He does not say, pay me what you owe. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, that we have a wage and it must be paid. And that payment is death, which is separation. Here's a person that's bankrupt. He's totally bankrupt spiritually. There's nothing, there's no, nothing that he can offer. He's bankrupt. And then they come to him and say, listen, you need to pay up. 
You're not going to ever find rest to your soul unless you pay up. He's bankrupt. He didn't say, he didn't say pay up. He didn't say pay me what you owe. Neither does he say, neither does he say, you, you just stand there and wait for a while. That'd be like a man on his deathbed and there's medication to save him from dying and you tell him, you wait, you wait for a week and at the end of the next week we'll give you some medicine. Not stand and wait. God's not there saying, okay, I know what you did and you're going to suffer for it for another week. How would it have felt? I remember when I was 13 years old and the Spirit of God was drawing me and I knew beyond a shadow of doubt that I was a sinner. And I knew beyond a shadow of doubt that unless God would intervene, that my destiny was hell. And how would it have been in my life when I went and made, made that public and or even there in the pew, I believe I was saved when I stepped out of the pew and not when I went forward. But what if God were to say, not hold it. You need to suffer one more week. Well, he didn't. Come unto me today. Come unto me at once without delay. And so he didn't mean stay and wait or pay what you owe or try to do better. What, and I want to speak further, not only what he didn't say, but what he didn't mean. He didn't mean that coming to Christ was coming to the church. Coming to Christ is something much more than coming to the church. Church membership is never going to aid one who is weak and heavy laden. And take notice that coming to Christ is much more than coming to the Lord's table and celebrating the Lord's Supper. Coming to Christ is much more than going through the baptismal waters. Baptism does not say, but baptism only pictures salvation, how Christ died, he was, died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again. And that we were dead in trespasses and sin, and God has raised us in a new life. And he didn't say that you're going to have to possess so much head knowledge, and then you will uh, be accepted. There are, I don't know if you know this, but there are religious groups who at a certain point in the life of a person, they'll give them confirmation lessons. 
and they go through these lessons and you learn what they say and you learn to repeat for the proper answer. And when you've had these confirmation lessons, then you become a member of that church. Salvation is not in head knowledge. There's a degree that we understand that we're dead in trespasses and sin and that Christ died for us. But with the mouth, confession is made in salvation. With the heart, uh, man believeth. And so it's a heart issue. And he doesn't say, he doesn't say here, head knowledge. And so what does it mean? Let me just try to paint a couple of pictures here. Coming to Christ is when a man is spiritually empty and he's filled. Coming to Christ is when a person turns to Christ, sick in his sins, and he's healed. To come to Christ is a hungry man. His soul hungry and being satisfied at the banqueting table with a banner over him as love. Coming to Christ is a man dying of thirst and being refreshed with the water of life. Coming to Christ is realizing that I'm altogether unprofitable and becoming rich in God. <clears throat> Coming to Christ as a dying man being given life. Coming to Christ is a guilty, condemned man having his record blotted out, declared justified and being set free. <clears throat> I want you to understand what that word blotted out. There's verses in the Bible that talks about being blotted out. <laughs> I think I've got a problem here. Yeah. Maybe. When I was in school, in grade school, this will tell you how old I am. All the desks had a little round hole about this big in it. And they had, a, and at certain points in time, they didn't leave it in there, but they would give you a little, little ink well. And you'd have a little ink pen. And uh, they had ink blotters. So when you had too much ink on that pen, teaching you teaching you penmanship and I guess it pretty much done away with uh, with cursive today haven't they some people don't even know how to read cursive so and some of you don't even know what I'm talking about <laughs> but uh, you blot it out and when you blot it out it just made a big big old blot of that and Rorschach determined Here's what I'll do. I'll find out what's really wrong with your brain. We'll make a bunch of ink blocks, and then we'll let you look at that, and you tell me what you think it is, and then determine what's wrong with you. 
And people, people swallowed that. But when it says blotted out here, you know, here's, here's a bunch of my sins listed. And, um, and the Lord says, I'm going to blot them out. And so, so what he does, what we think he does is he comes along and he just blots them all out. But then this guy comes along and says, and he sees the record, he said, man, look at all that's been blotted out. That guy was a bad dude. It doesn't mean that. The word blotted out means he erased it completely. It's no longer on record. It's buried in the deepest sea. It's put behind our back. It's blotted out. Declared justified. Blotted out and justified. Justif justification <coughs> justification is not an act that God does. It's a declaration. that God makes. And what God is saying, if we're being justified with God, we have, by God we have peace with God, Romans 5.1. But it means that the judge the one who has the final say, the Lord of all the universe, says, I have declared this man just as though he's never sinned. Now, now <clears throat> you that are saved need to keep that in mind because there's going to come times when you do sin and God's going to have to deal with you as a child of his because every son he chasteneth them, gives them spanking because he loves them. But understand this, that he's declared that you, he sees you just as though you've never sinned. And he sees you that way all of your life. Doesn't give you the freedom to um, sin, but it does help you realize that you've been changed. Coming to Christ as a man wearing filthy rags, all of our righteousness are filthy rags in God's sight because it's not our righteousness that saves us. But then when He saves us, He closes clothes us in a robe of righteousness.
coming to Christ, as David described it, was sinking in a miry pit or in quicksand. And our own self-righteousness is causing us to sink. And he reaches down and pulls us up and sets us on a solid rock. Back in the 1980s, I came here in 84, back in the 1980s, and Turnigan Arm to young people, young adults, in love with each other, went out on the Turnigan Flats, searching for gold and messing around and got to a place where their four-wheeler got stuck or the three-wheeler or whatever they were on then. And she, she began to sink into the quicksand in the muck of turning an arm. And uh, he tried to dig her out without getting stuck himself was unable to, was able to reach 911 and they sent a boat. And if you know anything about turning an arm and some of the coastal regions of Alaska, that the tidal, tides are massive. He held her hand until the waves covered her mouth, covered her head, and she died. Our sins have stuck us in the mud. And there is danger coming. And David said that he was in the miry clay, couldn't get out. Can't change myself. No matter how, how much I try to change myself, I can't get out. And if you know anything about getting stuck in those kind of places, the harder you pull, I mean, you could pull your leg off, you're not getting out. It's just hard to get out. You try to dig around it and it just sinks deeper. And Jesus Christ says, come to me. Turn to me. And then the promise. There's going to be a miracle this morning. They're going to get out early. We'll see if we can stop that. <laughs> I'll give you rest. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Rest from what? What is he talking about? We're going to be... What am I going to find rest from? What, what, what is this rest about? Well, I'm going to be free from my guilt. When I was 12, 11, 12, 13, in a little church in Oregon, the uh, 
they would, they would preach and then at the end of the service, they would give their appeal for people to trust Christ as their savior. And uh, the Lord was dealing with me. I remember sitting back there and thinking, oh, only sing, just sing three, three verses this today. Let's not sing more than three verses. <laughs> as soon as the third verse, or if they went one more, four verses, and I was m miserable through the, all of that, then I would run out of the building as fast as I could and divert my thinking as fast as I could. And right below the church was a playground from the school and hit the swings and forget the, how God had been dealing with me. But the guilt still was there. Over and over and over, I wanted to flee the presence of God because my guilt was manifested in my life. And I was heavy laden, laboring. But I remember the morning I got saved and going back to church the next Sunday and thinking in my mind, let them sing, let them sing it 15 times, I don't care. <laughs> I'm no longer guilty. There is a peace. And so we're free from the guilt. And he says, and then secondly, we're free from the wrath of God that no longer abides upon me. John says that the wrath of God abides upon us. Isaiah described it, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, that is, Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, and he shall belong his days. And the praise of the Lord shall prostrate his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied and by his knowledge my righteous servant justify many he shall bear their iniquities and so no longer I'm underneath the wrath of God and then he gave me rest from he, he gave me rest from uh, thinking about hell thinking about the judgment of God the fear of what's going to happen. And then I had rest from death. Everybody has a fear of death. They should, anyway, unless they're crazy. But Paul writes, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And so he's talking about uh, a, rest, a rest for the lost. But also there comes a rest for the child of God.
Now, I didn't bring it this morning, uh, but if I had a real strong guy like Caden, I, could, I, could, I won't make him do it this morning because Caden gets embarrassed easy. I'd have him stand up here and say, this, this book doesn't weigh much. I want you to hold it. Well, we can hold it for a while. But after about five minutes, it's heavier than what you think. And here's the deal. Jesus came not only to give us, not only, but Jesus came for the wonderful purpose of giving us rest from our sin. But he wants us to not, to cast all our care upon him for he cares for us. You see, a lot of times we say, well, this, this is really not too big of a deal, so I'll just, I'll just go along and I won't deal with it. But eventually it becomes heavy. And he says, <laughs> okay, Humphrey, smarten up. If I can save you from your sins, I can give you rest from your problems. Yeah. Come unto me. Come to me. And let me give you rest for your soul. And Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He tells us as his children, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there's the rest for the child of God. And then there's a future rest. In 1 Thessalonians 4 it says this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What we need to know and bank on and think about in this troublesome time, in these difficult times, is there's coming a day for those who are saved that they'll ever be with the Lord. Now, as we've said on every one of these lessons, we come to a, a crisis moment. The command has been given, come unto me. Particularly on the frontier of the of United States and the small towns, the doctor would often go into the home, doctors visited the homes there, and the patient came to a point where the doctor would say, they either will know in the morning, they either get better or they're just going to get worse. And it was called a crisis point. 
We've come to the crisis. And it's either going to be better or it's going to be worse. And so we begin this lesson telling you that we're studying not the suggestions of Christ, not the invitations of Christ, but we're studying, he said, teach them of all things whatsoever I command you. We're studying the commands of Christ. And Christ commands you today in your sin to come to him. Quit trying to work it out. Turn and come to me. And he commands you and I that are born again and his child Quit carrying around what I want to carry. Mm. Cast all your care upon me. And it's not saying that God's going to bail us out of all situations because sometimes God's answer is, okay, now you get up and do what's right and you carry it in that sense. But even in that, he's going to aid us. But we don't need to be burdened and heavy laden with anxiety and what ifs. And if only, because you see, sometimes uh, God's plan is not exactly like you planned it. Because you, you know why? Because he wants something better for you. Better instead of worse. And so let's come to him. And then let's remember that one of these days there's going to be a rest where there's not going to be any heavy laden and labor of the soul. We'll be at peace with God forever. Okay?